Happy New Year to you. My name is Daniel. I'm currently serving in San Jose, Santa Cruz region. Um, like I said, there's, there's no praise. There's, there's going to be a music video that we made in 48 hours. That's, that was actually a feat. It was actually a vintage grace point in action. From inception of the, of the idea till execution and showing, it was 48 hours, and it was, it was awesome. Um, not the video, just the process. The process was awesome, you know. But the video, I think the video also, and we showed it at the watch night service. Um, we'll be just showing one, of, one part of that watch night service. Um, it was three songs, but then we're gonna, just going to show one song because the other two songs that we showed at the watch night service will totally discredit my credibility, like uh, my dignity as a person. So I'm not going to show that. So anyway, um, we're going to go through John chapter 15, which is a recent DT that we went through. So we'll go ahead and read that together, okay? Can you read that? All right, ready? Let's try to read it together. Ready, set, go. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. All right, so this imagery of this vine in a vineyard, it's, Jesus chose that imagery very intentionally. You know, very intentionally, like throughout the Old Testament, many of you guys might know this, the vine, the whole idea of a vine and the, and the fruitfulness of the vine and things like that, it represented Israel, right? In Isaiah chapter 5, Israel is considered the vineyard of the Lord, my precious vineyard. Um, Jeremiah 2 talks about the choice vine that was planted. Ezekiel 15, Hosea 10, and several Psalms. They, there are many places in the Old Testament where it talks about Israel as the vine, okay? Now, during this study, as I was preparing for this message, um, what, some, something new that I learned that I didn't, I didn't quite realize before was that every single instance of that imagery in the Old Testament, a vine, it's negative. It's actually to show that you failed as Israel. Like, you, weren't, you didn't become a fruitful vine. It, it became, it, the choice vine was planted but it became something like this, you know? This is, a, this is a wild grape vine, you know? Doesn't look very appetizing. You don't want to eat this, you know? You don't, when you run into this, you're like, what is this? And you, 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 you shouldn't eat it. So that's the imagery of Israel in the Old Testament. Even though it was carefully planted and taken care of, it became this nasty, corrupt, wild vine. So instead of becoming the light in the world, which Israel was supposed to be, showing the world what people of God is supposed to look like, what that community is supposed to look like. Instead, they went after the idols of the world and the surrounding culture. They got, instead of influencing the world, the world influenced them, 
and they went after the idols, and they didn't become the fruitful vine that they were meant to be. So into this context, Jesus says, I am the true vine. He says, I am the true vine. I am the true Israel. The one that Israel, you know, which represents all mankind, what, what we have failed to be. I am the true vine. You know, you know, and, and Jesus, chapter, chapter, I mean, chapter 15, verse 5, he says, and you, the disciples of Jesus, are the branches. Man, there's a message of a communal mission there. And we'll talk about that later. But beyond that theological and historical meaning, Jesus also addresses us as individuals, you know, um, and talks about bearing good fruit. How do you and your life, how does it bear good fruit? So, we're talking about this, you know, we're talking about, I think I'm going to be flipping a lot. You have to be, okay, so we're talking about this, you know, um, looks delicious, not like the previous picture. This is, what is this called? Korean grapes. <laughs> Some people call it conquered grapes. I don't know why. It's Korean grapes, obviously. It's the one that actually people use, this is the kind of grape that actually people use to um, make wine. Um, it's, it's, it, it, it easily peels off and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, like, so I looked into it. Is it Korean grapes or is it conquered grapes, you know? And I looked at Wikipedia and it says, oh, it was developed after a town in Massachusetts. Um, so I said, oh, I didn't know there was a town called Massachusetts in Korea. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, this is the life you want, right? This is the life you want, right? You don't want to be this. You want this. Right? What does it mean, though? Because we're not plants. You know, you don't, but what, what fruit? What are we talking about? What does it look like to have a fruitful life and a, versus a fruitless life? Now, one way to think about it is that, is this. Fruits are for other people. Right? So another way to think about it is, is a fruitful life is a life that is useful for others. It's for others. Well, are you interested in that? Are you interested in your life becoming fruitful in that way, in the sense that it's for other people? Well, you should be, right? So a question that we can ask is like, do other people find something for them from your life? You know, when other people go to you wanting something, I don't know, wanting guidance, wisdom, love, a different way to live than what the world's world tells them. Uh, when the world's idols and the false idols fail them miserably and they come to you for a different way, saying stuff like, oh man, I don't know if money and career is where it's at anymore. I don't think so, man. This has just been bankrupt. Maybe someone in their family passes away. Maybe there's some difficulties and it awakens them to their spiritual hunger and they come to you and go, maybe I should seek God. And they come to you what will they find? Would they find this? You know, where they realize, oh, there's really nothing for them. You're chasing after the same idols of the surrounding culture. All your energies are focused on feeding yourself. Now, I was like trying to figure out, like, okay, like, what's a good analogy to show that we are feeding ourselves? Like, because fruits are, you know, like, this is a vine, you know, there's, there's grapes, Korean grapes here and everywhere, right? But then I'm like, okay, what would it be, what would it be like if it feeds itself? Like, it, it was really hard to draw. Like, 
I don't know, like you pick your own grapes and you eat it. Or the grapes are embedded into the, it's like it's in, inside. <laughs> it's kind of gross, like, you know, it's like all the grapes are in, it's like eating. <laughs> kind of grotesque. Right? There's nothing for others. You are a source of blessing to no one. What's sad is that as I, as I draw this grotesque picture and things like that, we live in a culture where even a typical Christian's vision of life is, is this, is that, right? Just go to church on Sunday, say some prayers so that you can grow more fruit to feed yourself, you know? Notice that Jesus expects that our lives should be fruitful. And deep down, I think we know this and we actually want this, right? We want this. We don't want this kind of a fruitless life. When people come to me, I want people to find this. I want people to find this. You know, I think in the deepest part of our hearts, we really, really want this. We want to live a fruitful life. We want to be a source of blessing. And this passage, it really talks about how we can become such people. You know, Jesus focuses on the relationship between the different parties involved that makes that possible. And these are the relationships. The vine is Jesus, the true vine. Branches are the believers. There's a gardener involved, the, the, the vine dresser, right, which is the Father, God the Father. And he says that in order to be fruitful, the branches need to be attached to the vine, right, the main vine. And then what does the gardener do? Or the, or the vine dresser, he discerns the branches, actually, it turns out, and he does stuff to the branches. He does stuff. So there are things like he says it takes away first, he takes away some branches. That does not bear, and he prunes some branches. And I want to dwell on the idea of pruning here, but before we do that, there's something kind of troubling here, which I need to address. Um, so this branch that doesn't bear fruit, you know, branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away what is this? You know, what happens to this branch? I guess it gets broken off, and then it gets like, and then you, we kind of link that to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, thrown away like a branch, and branches gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. It's like, oh my God, that's kind of scary. That's very scary, actually. It's a picture of judgment. So is the is message of this passage, is, or is, is Jesus saying that if you don't bear fruit, if you don't perform, then you will somehow get judged, burnt, like that's a picture of judgment, fire, um, that you will lose your salvation. You know, is that what, what, what is happening? Well, but that goes against the gospel message that salvation is not, not dependent on performance, on our performance. But upon closer reading, it turns out that there are actually three types of branches here. Right? There's a branch in me, so there, there's two, two types of branch that is in me. Branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every branch that does bear fruit. So those, that's that's type one, this is type two, and then there's a branch that does not abide in me, okay? So that's not, the, this, this third branch here in orange is not the same as the first branch here. So in verse two, when Jesus is talking about a branch that is attached to the vine, it's in me, it's actually attached to the vine, um, that's a Christian who's attached to the, to the vine, but somehow, somehow doesn't bear fruit, okay? And what happens to that gardener? What happens to that is that the gardener takes that away, takes away. So that's kind of a, it turns out it's a very difficult translation, that word, takes away. It's, it, the Gre original Greek is airo, you know, airo, and it's an, it has a nuanced meaning. 
the primary meaning actually of that word is to take up and away, to take, to lift up and to take away. That's the, actually first the, the primary meaning. meaning. To, to, get it, the, to get rid of is actually even like, like not even a secondary meaning. It turns out to be a tertiary meaning. So it's not meaning like you, you throw it away, right? So it's the same word that that word iro takes away. That word Greek word iro is the same word that is used when Jesus takes up the cross. It's not like he takes the cross and throws it away. He lifts it up and he carries it. The most common usage of that verb in the New Testament is Jesus telling people to take up your bed and walk. So it's that, like, that idea of taking up, and in a way it's away because you're taking it and putting it somewhere else, right? You're bringing it somewhere else, right? So this, the situation here is, is, is this kind of a situation. This is what actually a, a vine looks like. It's a lattice structure. It, it has these lines here and mul sometimes multiple lines. Um, but the situation is the branch is, let me change the color here so you can see it better. The branch is like, just goes, you know, it's in the dirt and it's under all these leaves, other leaves and other, other, you know, so it's not doing well. And, but it's still attached. It's still attached. And um, it needs to be lifted up to, to, the, to the lattice structure to get some sunlight on it. To, to perhaps revive it. So that's sort of the picture. And so, so some biblical commentators think, think that this is a situation where an unfruitful Christian has to be lifted up, you know, out of the mud, out of the current situation, out of the bad situation, so they can be more fruitful, right? So that can be an encouraging and challenging thought, you know, that if you're not fruitful, the Father will take you and lift you and put you on a lattice structure of some sort, you know, maybe the church, maybe, like, to, so that you can be more fruitful. And I've seen that happen many, many times over. So that would be a foolish Christian if you're unfruitful and you, and you, don't, like, like you don't like to be put on any kind of lifted up and put on a structure or anything like that. That would be foolish, right? So what's really strange though, so this is a situation here that that's probably what's, what, what's happening. But what's really strange is what happens when the branch is fruitful, okay? So when it's fruitful, what does the gardener do? He doesn't pet the the branch, I say, good job. <laughs> Any of you guys talk to plants? You, know, you guys talk to plants? Because some people say, think that like, when you have good like, feelings and vibes somehow that releases some things into the air, that plants kind of like, they, they thrive. Well, I, 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 don't plant, I don't talk to plants. So I don't know if you do, but yeah. I think you're crazy if you talk to plants, but anyway. <laughs> So he doesn't pet it and say, good job. He, what, what he does, what the vine dresser does when the, when the branch is fruitful is shocking. You know what he does? He goes, Shing! He takes out the shears. And then he starts cutting stuff. He's pruning it. And, and, and I don't know if you understand pruning. Pruning is not the same as trimming. This is what trimming looks like. Yeah, you cut away the extra stuff, the extraneous stuff. This is what pruning looks like. You see this on Highway 5, actually. This is pruning season. And you're like, what is that? You know, those are the grapevines. <laughs> you killed it. Right? <laughs> it looks like you killed it. Pruning is where you cut off perfectly good parts of the plant in order to focus the energy and the nutrients. Pruning is not just getting rid of the extra or the diseased parts. It just, you just cut. 
I mean, the closest thing I got to pruning you know, in my experience is that uh, someone gifted me with an indoor garden. Um, it's one of those like really cool garden that doesn't have any dirt. It just like recycles the water and it simulates the sunlight and all that stuff. And then it's just like you just once every three weeks you put in some nutrients into the water and it just recycles and it just grows in there. And and the instruction says once they start to have leaves, you need to start cutting off huge chunks of the plant, up to two thirds of the plant. And I'm like, what? You know, I had I was growing basil. And Orioles, it said it will overgrow and the basil won't taste good and the whole plant will actually die early. So you gotta like take off two thirds. I'm not just talking about leaves, it's just like, just break it off. And my pruning was to just eat the leaves, just eat it. So I had basil on everything. I had basil on rice, on chicken, on eggs. I mean, I just like cut basil, I just like sprinkled on everything. It was hard because it's just pruning is not like trimming, right? So for the vine, the pruning process even, is even more aggressive than two-thirds, it seems like. Naturally, the vines grow very aggressively. There's a lot of energy being spent on its branches and leaves and things like that and creates a lot of leaves, very little fruit. That's, you saw the picture of the wild, wild uh, you know, grapes. So in order to get good fruit, you're supposed to prune the vine for three years straight, and this is what it looks like, okay? This is year one. It goes, it's a bud, goes up, you know. And then at the end of the year, you get rid of just, what happened to all the leaves? You killed it, right? So, and then year two looks like this. And then at the end of the year, do that. It's like, what? Year three, wow, you get grapes. And at the end of the year, you don't eat those grapes. I mean, maybe you make, make it for grape juice and things like that, but you get you get, not only get rid of it, you, in fact, you actually get rid of these branches altogether. Just maybe leave one or two, you know? Maybe leave just a few here, the blue ones. That, that's fruitful. So that, that's the situation, and then that's how you get something like this, right? This is the time of the year, right? Now, um, first time you, you, you prune, I think, I, I guess you would say it, feel just, it just feels wrong. You're cutting away something that seems perfectly, like perfectly good branches, and they are good branches, okay branches. Imagine the conversation that you would have with this vine if it was sentient. Imagine the vine dresser and the vine, maybe you should have a little skit out of this, you know? It would be hard to convince the vine that pruning is necessary. He goes, the vine's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, you're fruitful. <laughs> it's like a horror movie. <laughs> you're doing well. He's <laughs> like, hey man, just leave well enough alone. What? Just leave it alone. I'm bearing some fruit. And the gardener would say, exactly. That's why I'm pruning you. It would be hard to understand that, you know? But if we just leave the vine alone, if by just let me just bear fruit naturally, just because of my own accord, you know, that kind of thing, this, then it becomes something like this. This is the natural state. This is the natural state of the vine. You know, a lot of energy growing leaves and extra, extra branches. I think this whole vineyard, that, that vine, is a very apt metaphor for life. This is a picture, I think, of the, of the modern life particularly, right? This is, this is how I drew the modern life. I, I don't think you can see it very well, but it's like these trees. It's like everywhere, right? This is the modern life. 
You gotta do this entertainment. Take care of this. Take care of that. You know, this is my my interests and my energies and my time is going into a million different things and million different directions. And there's nothing that I'm focusing on at any time. This is what maybe your mind looked like during finals. And you know, it's just like. And finally, there's nutrient. There's a nutrient here that's coming up. That's coming up. Go. And then it just gets split, gets split, into, and then by the time it reaches here, it's like, pop. <laughs> it's like barely popped it up, boy, you know. Man, this is the modern day modern day life, isn't it? Um, we're so so many different options, distractions that take you away, take your time and energy away. So many things to try out, so many things to do. So people spend years and years trying to do everything, right? We spend years and years trying to do everything, and in the end, we end up having really nothing to show for. Here's something to think about: if you do a little bit of everything, you will do a lot of nothing. You know, what a tragic picture if this is the description of our lives. You know, you would just have to spend a lot of energy. Doing nothing in particular, or at least nothing that matters in the end, right? So cut away some of these. But what for? You know, why should I subject myself to the pain of cutting something away? Because you know, why should I do that? Like, especially if it's nothing wrong with it. That's the thing about pruning, isn't it? It's not like you're just getting rid of the disease stuff. You're trying to focus your time and energy toward things that actually matter. You know. I mean, we can set a lot of goals. I mean, I've heard this many times from Christians, right? I, I want to grow. I want to grow this year. That's my New Year's resolution, or that's what I want to do this semester or this quarter. And we say, okay, all right, you want to grow? All right, I can teach you. I can teach you how to do daily devotions and how to get more out of the Word of God. How about uh, Monday we meet? Oh, Monday, um, yeah, I have to work out. Oh, that's my workout day. Okay, Tuesday night. Oh, that's my like sports night after I work out. That's like. <laughs> I have my IMs there. Okay, how about Wednesday? Oh, I love to, but my other club meeting, and I'm an officer in that club, so and Saturday that takes my Saturday too. Okay, Thursday. That's when I do my problem sets. Okay, you want to grow though? Yeah, I want to grow. This is the picture. You know. Um. Individually, none of the things that I just mentioned are problems. They're not sins. They're even good things. But it turns out, when this person says, "I want to grow," that those words never really touch ground. You know, because all the time and energy is being diverted to all these other things, and it's not just sinful things that we're trying to prune. Like I said, right? It's, it's extraneous stuff. It's the, even the branches that seem to be okay. And I think this year's key verse for our church, you know, it, it touches base. It, Touches with that verse. Um, it, in verse one, it talks about a similar concept, right? Let, it, let us lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so clearly. But then there's also the weight. So there is this weight and sin are not not the same thing here. Let, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so 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 closely, right? So this is the picture of a runner running a marathon, some sort of endurance race. And then there is definitely sin, but then there's also this weight that seems to be distinct from the sins. Weight that just simply slows you down. It doesn't necessarily cling to you like sin does, but it—you stupidly carry it. <laughs> so you gotta lay it aside. 
You know, so like, like some things in life, in your life, are not sinful. They're just stupid. They're just stupid. You just, you know, you can't carry stuff into the race. So, are there things that you need to cut out? You know, you, don't, you can't carry a desk lamp and printer into a race. You'll get tired if you do that, right? Maybe that explains why some of us, for some of us, Christian life, even though you, you don't seem to be doing much, feels so tiring. What are you carrying? What weight are you carrying? Well, we should think about this. What are some things that you need to prune out of your life? Cut away some of the stuff that is taking up your energy or something that doesn't take much energy, energy at all, but it just takes a lot of time, like, like the things like entertainment, you know, such as hours and days and years that calculates to, like it calculates years of your life spent watching stuff on your screen. Cut that away, you know, not because they're sinful, but because it's stupid. You know, it will, be, it will feel painful. It's painful to lose that easy escape to turn on a video, right? It is painful. That's part of the pruning process. Pruning is always a loss of something, right? Um, to escape to another world for a few hours just, just when you feel a little bit anxiety or feel like a little bit like stressed. It's a, it's nice. It was a nice out. And it's, it's a, you would feel like a big loss to lose that or not do that as much or not, as, not, not do that at all, right? So that's the thing. You know, it will feel painful, but the relevant. So the relevant question, though, is that if you don't do this, then what will your Christian life become? I'm talking to the Christians here, but the relevant for question for Christians is, what have you cut away from your life that's not sin so that your life can become more focused spiritually? What have you cut away? Actually, try to answer that in your mind. Try to answer that. What have you cut away in the past, and when was that? You know, and if you're drawing a complete blank or what you're remembering is like so, so long ago like you're just barely remembering it what does that mean that you've never been pruned that you're maybe still carrying all the weight and trying to run probably what that means is that you stopped running you know <laughs> that's why you're not feeling the way you're like oh I'm just gonna care. this is this is where I am if that's the case I think this passage tells us that you need to be picked up from the ground, put on a lattice, hang your life on some structure so that your life can start producing something good. It says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing, right? Now, I wanted to kind of talk, talk about this, like, Apart from me, you can do nothing? Really? Really? Like, not, not really. Actually, there's a lot of things that people can do without abiding in Jesus, right? A lot of productivity and a lot of things that we can do. But what does Jesus mean? You can do nothing that actually matters in the end, that actually counts in heaven. You know, because fruit, when we're talking about fruit, I think we can easily turn this into sort of a positive, like, energy kind of me message where, like, I want to be a source of life. You know, like, when I walk into a room, I just want people to smile. <laughs> that's nice, you know, like bring life and joy into a room, into a situation. Yeah, you can, that's a good thing, but that's not the fruit that Jesus is talking about, right? It's not, 
even even talking, he's not even talking, really talking about bringing some worldwide positive political change or anything like that. Because he says in verse 8, by this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. It's a fruit through which God is glorified and where it's a fruit through which you are proven to be Jesus' disciples. You know, when we say the vision for my life of my life is to build a nice, safe home and life for me and my family, well, that's not a bad thing. It's actually, it's pretty difficult enough to do that, for sure. But is God glorified through that kind of vision? I mean, it's good, but would people turn to God and say, glory to God? Wow, you have a nice family and a nice home in a safe environment. Would you prove to be Jesus' disciples through that? You know, if you're a Christian, I want to ask you, what is your life vision? In a way, that life vision is another word for like, what's the fruit that you're going for, right? What's the fruit that you're going for? What is your life vision? And secondly, is that vision Christian? (laughs) Is that vision Christian? Do you... Like, whatever that vision of your life might be, do you even have to be Christian to fulfill that? Or is your vision so compromised with the world and so saturated with world values that actually you don't even have to be Christian to fulfill that vision? You know, if, if that's the case, then I want to encourage you. Maybe you need to rethink some things. You know, you need to rethink that vision. Your vision, you know, the fruit of your life, in order for that to be a Christian vision, I think we need to align our lives to the fruit of Jesus' life, the fruit of those disciples' lives who were following Jesus, that Jesus was saying this to, you know, of bringing salvation to the world, to build a loving community of faith, the body of Christ. That's a vision that's actually Christian, right? Fruit that will glorify the Father and prove ourselves to be disciples. It really takes us something. This, this message of like, oh, we've got to build a church together. Actually, the community of faith is the, the theological core meaning of what this passage is talking about. Remember, in verse, in, in verse 1, we talked about Jesus saying, I'm the true vine. And he's saying, I'm the true Israel, right? Who will bring true salvation and light into the world. That was the mission. Um, so commentator Bruce, Bruce Milne, Milne says writes this, we should therefore beware of interpretations of this passage which concentrate solely on our inward relationship with the Lord. Its real thrust is the renewal of the mission of Israel through Jesus the Messiah and the disciple community. Disciples are sent into the world, as was Jesus, to carry on the task in his absence. That is a principal implication of Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, That's our communal mission that would glorify God. Um, We've been talking about having a fruitful life. That's some pressure, right? There's a lot of pressure in this passage. Because Jesus is saying, give me that, where's the fruit? Like Jesus seems to assume that. Assume and expect that there's fruit. He goes, give me that fruit. Where is it? You're like, uh, and and eating it, right? (laughs) I was like, man, I better produce. There's a lot of pressure about that. But here's, here's a word of comfort. But notice, ultimately, the command that Jesus gives is not be fruitful. That's not the command. The command is abide in me. Abide in me. That's the most crucial and critical key 
to bearing fruit in your life, to, be, to having a life that glorifies God. That's the key. Jesus, abide in me. Don't focus on producing. Focus on abiding in Jesus. It says, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, right? And what does that, what does that mean? You know, uh, like sounds pretty mystical. It sounds like Donnie Yen saying, I am one with the force and the force is one with me, right? <laughs> the force is with me, I'm one with the force. Like, it's like, What's going on there, right? We're not talking about that. It's, it. It couldn't be, I mean, there's a part of, part of our relationship with Jesus that is, actually has that kind of experience, spiritual mystical experience, but primarily, actually, Jesus, as, as, as it turns out, as he's talking about it, he's ta- he gives us actually some handles and, and, and concrete things for us to do. But uh, uh, one way to put this abide in me issue is, um, or language is uh, through a m- relational metaphor, you know? So let's say there's someone who is unstable, can, can't, just unstable in many ways, difficult, difficulties in his life, addicted to many things, uh, cannot hold down a job, right? has a chaotic life, spends a lot of energy doing nothing, feels really lame about that. So in order to escape, he goes back to the substance. He drinks his life away, his sorrows away, which then puts him into a downward spiral, right? So what does he need? What does he need? A few words of advice is not gonna be enough to help some, someone like that. Education will not help him. Really, the only way and the best way um, to get him out of that is to maybe listen to a good friend who says, hey, move in with me. And he says, you? From now on, you do what I do, okay? Wake up when I wake up. Exercise when I exercise. Come to work with me. And instead of going to that bar, come and have dinner with me. Abide in me and I in you. (laughs) That's the picture. You abide with me and I will abide with you. Jesus is inviting us to have that kind of a relationship with him. No, but Jesus is not physically here, so how do we actually, it's not like we can hang out. What's going, how do we do that, right? It tells us in, in, this, in this passage, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, right? And it says, if you keep my commandments, keep my commandments, I will abide in my, you will abide in my love just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So there is this, this issue of word, by having his words abide in us and then by keeping those commandments, keeping the commandments of Jesus. You know, so you take in the words of Jesus and I say, yes, I will obey. I will trust that and I will trust your word and I will obey. So a word, you know, right? um, and maybe I think you know, it doesn't spell it out here, but I think I, I would say the classic two spiritual disciplines of Christian spiritual discipline is <clears throat> word and prayer. It's, that's the way to abide in Jesus. Word of God is God's word to, to you. Prayer is your word back to God. And in that, and together we form that back and forth conversation. And as you do so, man, you will build that relationship. And eventually you will subconsciously and unconsciously start walking with God and become, uh, become abiding in Jesus. <clears throat> when you have a cl- very close relationship with someone, you can, you can get to a point where you know what that person will say and how that person will respond. And even if that person is not there, not immediately accessible in, in a physical sense, you can sort of channel that person 
And with the help of the Holy Spirit, man, we can do that. And 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 Holy Spirit will remind us of what Jesus said, as as we also read in the, during DT. And then eventually we start to hear that person's voice and start to change our behavior. Now, Sarah, my wife, we've been married for many years, many many years, um, over tw- over 20 years now. And I hear her voice in my head. <laughs> you know, I have a problem of talking with, um, especially one-on-one conversations when it's sort of like when I'm trying to like help the person. Or I have a problem of talking with people too long, which is a dangerous problem for preachers, right? I once had a one-on-one conversation that went five hours. <laughs> Mine is not good, right? <laughs> and Sarah told me many times, just end it. And I said, but that person keeps on asking me questions. It's just like, he's interested. He's interested. No, no, that person's not interested. That person is tired. (laughs) And at first, I didn't believe her. And now, after many years, I can hear her voice. You know what I mean? That's a good thing. Like, when the conversation is going a little bit long, I hear that voice. End it, Daniel. (laughs) End it. Now I hear it. I'm beginning to actually listen to that voice a little bit. I'm beginning. <laughs> right? Like that. You know, just as we abide with Jesus and we uh, let his words abide in us, you realize that your, his values became your values and his words are with you. So as we do, as you do your daily devotions, man, instead of just reading it to just get something done, struggle to obey his commandments. And as you kneel down to pray, you know, you are abiding in Jesus. Even as you listen to this message, right now, even as you listen to this message, are you abiding in Jesus? Are you taking these words, not simply like understanding the text and academically speak in, in an academic way, but taking them and, and saying, this is Jesus' words to me. Abide in me. That's Jesus' invitation to me. The words of Jesus directed at you. And his values will eventually rub off on you. And lo and behold, your life will be changed. Um, you, will, you can't spend time with Jesus like that and not have it change you, you know. But in a way, as we end, you know, abiding in Jesus, it's easy and hard at the same time, you know. It's easy because it means that you don't have to focus on producing fruit. You just need to spend time with Jesus and his word and he will abide in us. But it's hard to have a Jesus abide in us because there's so many other things that are vying for that spot in our minds and our hearts. There are so many other things that abide in us, you know, thoughts of marriage, thoughts of career. We abide in those concerns and those concerns abide in us. So we need to fight for that space. And how do we fight? Prune out, again, prune out some of the things that are in your life that's making it hard to abide in Jesus. Jesus tells us the way to bear fruit that counts is to connect with him, to abide with him. Um, So let's abide. You know, Jesus tells us to abide in me. It ends this way. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. As we abide in Jesus, it's really awesome that the end result is that his joy, my joy, Jesus' joy will also abide in us. You know, where his values become our values and his joy and his love can become our joy and our love. And Jesus says, that's my wish for you, that my joy may be in you. Amen. You know, so I'm gonna, we're going to show you this video. Um, we can't sing, so don't sing along with it. Um, 
A bunch of full-time leads were here in HB last week, all last week, planning and uh, it was a planning and training retreat. And um, everybody got tested almost every day. Um, you know, we're together the whole time, so we were able to sing together with masks off at that time because we were sort of like a giant, like a bubble. Um, so we put together a testimonial music video. You know, it's a music video that's like takes an old 80s song and then puts testimonies on top of it. Um, and it's because like we, 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 get, we, we share testimonies that only old people can give. You know, you know those old people testimonies? Like, I've been at this for 50 years. You know, that, that, <laughs> like, you can't say that, right? So, yeah, I think, I think there's something meaningful about that because I think what we see, what we see in, in these testimonies is, like, testimonies of people pruning things and abiding in Jesus and pruning things and then focusing our attention to build something, to 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 bear fruit that is glorifying to God. You know, so that life testimony is actually what is being shared in this video. So let's go ahead and watch that. <laughs> 